Okay, so you actually have to stop what you're doing before you even get started because you're going to need a pen and paper for this podcast. Myron Golden today. I mean, to the point where if you are watching live, which you can go and watch live, you can also download all of these files I'm about to tell you about. We shared the screen of his computer. We weren't even on there because he was dropping so many nuggets and teaching us so much. And I say nuggets and I mean golden because we specifically talked about finances, around business, around missions in the marketplace, around gold and how it's literally contextually in the Bible eight times and it is said to be good and therefore it is good it is not the root of all evil right there's things that are taken out of context and Myron teaches about context and pretext and oh my gosh just the text he teaches us about the word of God and I am incredibly just enamored by the fact that it was intertwined deposit from what God had been giving me over the last two weeks. And so I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this. I can't wait for you to digest it. And above all things, after listening to this podcast, go grab your Bible and read Genesis over and over and over and over and over again. Myron, you are a gift, a treasure, and a true teacher, and I am so honored to know you and so excited for others to get their hand on this wealthy information so that they too can unlock their personal wealth. That's you, the listener. Yes, that's right. Go get rich, friend. This is your God wink, the moment that heaven says for such a time as this. It's time to own your joy, prioritize your health, discover your wealth, and exude your wholeness. It's time to become truly fit. However, this isn't a fitness podcast, though I'm a retired personal trainer and nutritionist. This isn't business jargon or tips and tricks to landing your successful passion project, though that's totally why I'm a business coach. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy, though I'm all for therapy and I love whole foods. I do have a YOLO side sweet tooth though. This isn't confusing religious banter, though I'm an ordained minister still figuring out the many things and facets and faces of Jesus. It's really none of that. So I'm wondering if you're wondering, what is this? Well, This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories and discoveries with each of you fellow passionate seekers. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment, and to be totally transparent, my own entrepreneurial crash and burn experiences. I've learned firsthand that being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's not about our qualifying abilities or titles. It's not about our potential. It's truly about our God-gifted passions meeting our purpose. You are one step away from achieving your idea, your dream, your calling, your purpose, whatever you want to call it. And I want to be there for the moment that you say yes in freedom, clarity, and confidence that you are living fully fit in who and whose you were made to be. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Andress. There is no better time than now to get fit. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I totally stole that from Glenn Lundy, and it feels so good to say it so freshly. Myron Golden, I am so grateful to have you here this morning. That music just amplified this conversation, and I'm so glad that it was the like the prequel, right, to this, this depth of a story that you have. You guys, he has been um, somebody who's been dropping golden nuggets, no pun intended, with his name in my life and in my spirit over the course of the last few months on Clubhouse, which right now now is happening. If you are on Breakfast with Champions and you know that I am simultaneously existing in multiple spaces, I I did get off the app just to spend time with you. So thank you so much for your time. I know that's such a big thing. No, it's, it's, I am so honored. I'm so humbled. And I was so excited because I know that you're just going to bring an energy um, and a spirit that I think, I think of all times, 
it's, it's such a time for this. Like it's so needed for people to hear a story like yours, but more importantly for you to activate them. And that is what you are good at. You're an activator. You've activated me. And so thank you for being here. And there's so many parts to your testimony. I want to jump into your storyline, but if you want to give yourself just an overview bio info, so people know who you are, I know you're many things. Um, where, where would you like to share today? Yeah. Um, my name is Myron Golden and I am a business owner father, husband, grandfather, hallelujah, right? So <laughs> love being a grandfather. And um, I, we've, we've got a family business, my wife, my son, my daughter, and I, we own a family business that we've owned since 2003. And um, we teach entrepreneurs how to build successful businesses based on b- biblical principles. And we do that from a very kingdom perspective, which I'll be happy to go into what that means, because a lot of people use that as a buzzword. I'm actually talking about actual kingdom governmental principles versus a religious perspective, which I don't even believe the Bible is a religious book or that God is a religious figure or that Jesus is a religious figure. And that's an interesting conversation also. So um, I like to share with people principles that work. If a principle works, it's because God created it and it's in the word. If it's in the world and it works, it's in the word. And if it doesn't work, that's, it's not in the word. It's not in the word. And if it's not in the word, it won't work. So at least that's what I believe. And um, that's how we operate. And we show people we've built a very, very successful business. Our business did over a million dollars in revenue last month. We've, so we did we, we built a very, very successful home based business um, from and I say home based because I work from my house and uh, my son works from his house and my daughter works from her house. Right. And um, and we our business did over a million dollars in revenue last month. And well, looks like we're going to do somewhere between two and three million in revenue this month. Um, and it's all based on biblical principles. And so that's pretty cool. Um, it's amazing. And and really, really, really a shared heartbeat of mine. I am all about leading the mission in the marketplace. That's like literally what I love to do. And I think the world has, has taken it. They've, they've said marketplace and then sure, mission may be over here. Half of the people don't even believe in the heart-centered, mission-driven leadership that we need so desperately in the marketplace. And so I have a thousand questions for you because one of the biggest holdups I feel like, and you, you kind of led the conversation with it, is that understanding of money and that God is a prosperous God and that he is an abundant father. And it is not something that we have to have and store up, right? We know this biblically that if we store those treasures, they will be taken from us. And that happened in my own storyline and my own testimony. And so I say the affirmation all the time uh, that money flows to me and it flows through me and that it's just a resource. It's just a byproduct of the thing that we need and do in order to grow. But you don't have to have money to be a mission led like anybody, right? Like just love people well. That's our commandment. That's what he's calling us to every single day. So talk us through like where did that start in your storyline? How did that even happen? Because I'm pretty sure you have an incredible story uh, based on your international bestselling book from the trash man to the cash man, how anyone can get rich starting from anywhere. And so you got to jump into that testimony. Yeah. So um, uh, the first job that I got after I got married, the first job that I had after I got married was driving a garbage truck for $6 and 25 cents an hour. Now that was back in 1987. um, So that was 30 something years ago, but that was the first job I had. And I drove a garbage truck for $6 and 25 cents an hour. That's what I did during the day. But as the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes um, um, in the evening, I used my time to build my business. And so I sold insurance and investments at night. And it, it's really interesting. If, if I can add something to what you said about not storing up money, the scripture is very clear that we should not store up treasures for ourselves on the earth. But I don't believe that necessarily that's the same as not storing up treasure. I believe that we should store up treasures for sh- future generations because the scripture says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Right. And so so the wealth that I'm building, I'm not building just so I can have. I mean, I could live in a house that's 10 times bigger than the house I live in. But for what? Yeah, I could drive a car that's like uh, five times more expensive than the cars I drive. But for what? I mean, I could do that. But why would I take I am definitely not spending my children's inheritance inheritance. I'm investing my children's inheritance and my grandchildren's inheritance so that my children don't have to start from scratch because that's not God's plan. If you look at the kingdom of heaven, you look at the kingdom of God as a family business. When Christ came, he didn't start from scratch and he was born in a manger, but he wasn't, didn't start from scratch because uh, Magi came from all over the world and brought him the gifts 
that you would bring to a king. So it, it's, it's just, it's understanding the purpose of money. It's understanding the purpose of ministry. It's understanding the meaning of life. It, so if I can start with, um, and, I, and I'll come back to the cash man, trash man, the cash man story, because I think it's important. But if I can start with an understanding of what Christ said is our primary objective, right? So if you look at uh, what Yeshua said in, Je- in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, he said, but seek ye first. He, he told us a bunch of stuff not to do. He said, basically, Matthew chapter 6 is don't do this, do this. Don't pray like this, pray like this, right? Um, don't focus on this, but focus on that. And so um, he, he culminated the entire chapter down in verse number 33, where he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. All what things? Uh, food things, clothes things, housing, housing things. You don't have to worry about anything, but focus on the kingdom of God. So I submit that the problem or the challenge that exists in, in our modern day church culture is that people don't have any idea what the kingdom of God is because we've gotten away from the concept of kingdom. And so um, if you don't know what the kingdom of God is and you find it and you don't know what it is, you won't even recognize it. So you'll keep looking for it. Right. So so what is the kingdom of God? I think we have to define it before we can seek it. And so what is the kingdom of God? I believe, according to everything that I've read and studied in Scripture, that the kingdom of God is the, the dominion over which God rules, which means I seek to yield my life to God as the sovereign king of my life. He owns my head, my heart my hands, my mouth. He owns everything. And I yield myself to God as the sovereign king of my life. And when I do that, I get to rule over an assignment as the sovereign king of that assignment. And then I use that assignment that I rule over to serve every human being that I come in contact with. I use the assignment that I rule over to serve my wife and to serve my children, to serve my grandchildren, my siblings, my parents, my in-laws. When I go to a restaurant, the servers at the restaurant, if I see somebody on the street, a person on the street, I use this. I was I was at a restaurant yesterday morning and there was this young black man who was there. And I, and it's the same restaurant I go to for breakfast almost every day. And so I saw him there and this is like the third day. I said, man, you're getting it done, aren't you? He said, yeah. And so one of the servers there told me, yeah, he's studying for his real estate exam. And so I said, wow, that's really awesome. So I said, cool. Um, I know you're going to go get it, brother, you know, do your thing. And then I said, hey, um, I heard you're studying for your real estate exam. When I was leaving, I said, if it's okay, I have a gift for you. And because I love to see young people doing positive things, if it's okay, I have a gift for you. He said, sure. And so I said, I've, I wrote, a, I've give you a copy of my books. I've got, wrote a book on financial literacy called From the Trash Man to the Cash Man. I wrote a book on business called Click and Order for Brick and Mortar. I'm going to give you a copy of both of those books. And um, he said, so do you have a business card? I said, I don't own a business card, but my name is my website. And I'm the easiest person in the world to get in touch with. You can like slide into my DMs on Instagram. And so I just gave, so what? Because I wanted to encourage him on a positive path, right? So that's what I believe that I was sent to that restaurant yesterday for the purpose of encouraging that young man. Um, and it, so wherever we show up, if we are looking for opportunities to serve people as we are yielded to God and ruling over our assignment, then we are operating a king, in a kingdom lifestyle. So anyway, that was that was no, that was a little that's so answer. good. That's so good, and I love the very tail end of what you said because it's been something <laughs> I've been like just simmering on all week. Is is this question? What if instead of looking for opportunities like we always are, right? Mm-hmm. We are the opportunity. What mm-hmm. if we are the opportunity, and therefore Absolutely. we walk into every situation with that kingdom mindset, with that heart set to serve other people, and it flows through us at that point, naturally, Absolutely. organically, without effort, without a need yes. for coffee, right? Like the energy right. just comes because you are a source. You are a, a mechanism, a conduit from our heavenly father who we are so intimately connected with. And it just, it's like fire all the time. So when you hear people talking about they spit fire, they don't spit fire. The Holy Spirit spits fire through them. And mm. so show up to your life as if you're the opportunity, as if the person you're going to connect with right now on this very moment, if you're on a run and you see somebody who needs help getting their groceries inside, if you're in the grocery store and you're holding the door open for someone, like if you're at a restaurant and the server is doing something more with their life than just serving tables, that is just a pathway for them. Find Mm -hmm. out their dreams, find out where they're going, right? Like this is, this is the heart set of the father. It's not for us to just like so quickly live this rat wheel, right? Live this race where we're speeding through to, to again, go after a treasure when the treasure is right here, right now. 
It's the connections. It's the overflow of the fruits of spirit. The treasure is the opportunity to show up and shine. Here's what it says about Christ. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made with by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was the light of men and the light shined in darkness, but the darkness received it not. So you go down a little bit further and it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the father. So think about that. So the word became flesh. What is it about Christ that makes him so unique? Besides the fact that he's son of God, his word became his flesh. If we are going to be like Christ, our words must become our flesh. It can't be just be words, uh, sounds that comes out of our mouth, but it has to be actions that pour out of our lives. And what does it tell us in Matthew? It tells us that we should let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and what? Glorify our father, which is in heaven. So the like my purpose in being here is not to draw attention to myself. It's to point attention to the one who every gift I have in my life, I've received it from him. So, and what an honor, what an honor it is what right? an honor. to be able exactly. to do that every single day. And if you have a hard time, like getting out of bed or practicing a morning routine or, or doing these things, you, your, your mindset, your heart set is just, is just muddied. It's just in the wrong perspective. You're living in the marketplace instead of for the mission. And that doesn't matter whether you're in the corporate setting or you're a teacher or you're a stay-at-home mom. That's for every single mission. We're all on a mission. We're all, we all have purpose. We all have worth. We all have calling. Absolutely. If we are, if we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, then in faith in Christ Jesus, then we are a, we are a nation of Kings and Queens on a, on the mission for the King of Kings period. That's how it works. And so it, it's, it's so people, I, I don't know what my purpose is. It, it, all you got to do to know your purpose is go back to Genesis chapter one, right? And I, I'm not going to go into the long dissertation. I'll just give you, I'll just give you the, the I'm not going to show my work as they say in math class in, 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 <laughs> yeah, in, in third yeah. grade, right? Show me so, it, show me so, it. So, so the purpose of my life is to live in my creative space and make the world a better place. Make a bit, when I'm making the world a better place for you, then it automatically becomes a better place for me. I don't have to be focused on me. I, I, the giver is the greatest receiver. So good. Right? So, so I, I know if I can be aware, like Christ was aware, that I am here by myself but not for myself, then my life will just ooze with purpose. Yeah, that's so, so. incredibly Amazing and so tangible and so necessary for us to activate into that belief system. So I'm so curious because I also coach people into that place of purpose and helping them understand. And I always start from a place of alignment. I always start Mm -hmm. from a place of being because if you don't know your identity, then you can never serve. You're serving from a place of brokenness. And we know like hurt people hurt people, right? Like we don't need to be serving out of greed. We don't need to be serving out of a broken place. We need to be serving out of a whole place. And he establishes, our heavenly father establishes that wholeness. And so it's a byproduct of intimacy with God is to be whole. And so alignment mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I want to know, like, what did that storyline look like for you? Were you born into a house that just like spit fire like this? Like, I want to know your mama. <laughs> I want to know. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So, so my dad, my dad was a plumber. Um, my mom was a beautician. And, um, but I have six brothers. I'm the second of seven brothers, right? So my parents were very hardworking, but they didn't understand how money worked. They were very hardworking. They taught us to work hard. And, and, and one of the things, as I think about my childhood, like, um, my parents spoke to us in a lot of sayings and riddles, like when they would talk to us so that we'd have to figure it out. Right. So we, they didn't just give us the answer. They'd ask us a question. Um, um, they would say things like, um, if you walked in and you saw somebody that you hadn't seen that day, time of day is due to a dog. Like, what does that mean? Time of day is due to a dog. That means if you see a dog, a dog is worth saying good morning to. What about a human being? Right. And so, right. And so, so in, in every, like so many things that my parents, and so for me, it, 
Like it is almost impossible for me. It, it like it like you walk past someone and you're ready to say hello and they won't even look at you. But you, oftentimes I'll say hello anyway. It like it it it's it brings literally anguish to my soul to see another human being and not greet them, because even God greeted human beings. It's a, that's the first thing it tells about God and he, and God blessed them and said unto them, "Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion." Right. So it like I don't I can't process walking past another human being and not acknowledging them. I don't understand. I don't have a place to put that, right? Because my parents just beat it into us. You say hello. You say good morning. You say good afternoon. You speak to people. You don't ignore people, right? And so, um, so, and, and my parents took us to church um, and they weren't really, they weren't like when we were growing up, we didn't live in a Christian home by any stretch of the imagination, but we did live in a God fearing home. Right. Yes. So they took us to church and we were taught to fear God and you don't play with God. And you go to church and you put your money in Sunday school and you know, all of that stuff. Um, and I came to Christ when I was 16. Um, but um, I learned how to work hard. But one of the things that was very confusing to me about church was that preachers, I often heard preachers, talk about how bad money was. And I was thinking, and I I thought, you know, it's not, it's bad to have a lot of money. And then, but then I, when I went to the pastor's house, I'm like, wow, he lives in a mansion. It wasn't, it wasn't a mansion, but it was like nicer than any house we had ever lived in. Right. He had a brand new car. I had never been in a, Now you got to understand I'm a teenager. I had never been in a brand new car of anybody's. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking, well, how much money is a lot of money? I'm, I'm confused. (laughs) Right. And, and so like, like, Apparently, like you're living the life, bro. You have this really cool um, MGB um, <laughs> convertible that your wife drives around. You've got a brand new 1980 uh, Chrysler Cordoba, and we're driving around in cars we bought from the junkyard for $65. You know, and so I, I, I just didn't understand the concept. And then when I began to read the Bible for for myself. I saw that a lot of there, it just had a lot of practical stuff in it. I'm thinking to myself, why is nobody talking about this stuff? Like stuff that can show you how to get, I've got six brothers and we didn't always get along back then, but I read it in Proverbs. It said a soft answer, turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I said, next time one of my brothers comes in screaming at me, I'm going to try this. And I tried it and it just like deescalated the whole situation. I'm like, this is mind blowing. Stuff is so practical. And I, every time I found a practical thing in scripture, when I applied it to my life, it worked just like the Bible said it worked. I'm like, this is amazing. Right. And then I started studying the concept of money as I be, after I became a businessman. And because there was, there, there, there was a lot of, um, incongruency coming from the perspective of the church, which I believe, and, and, and I'm, I know I'm probably going to, upset somebody when i say this but it is what it is if they'll study history they'll come to the same conclusions that i've come to i'm pretty sure um but there's a lot of confusion in um what i call churchianity around the concept of money because protestantism right the protestant church which is any church that's pretty much any church that believes in god jesus that's not a catholic church for the most part are protestant churches right Protestant, the Protestant church movement came out of the Catholic movement, right? And so Catholics, they have a lot of idols and, you know, they have the statues and stuff and the saint, this person they pray to and saint, that person they pray to. And I'm I'm not, I'm not hating on, I'm not hating on, I'm not hating on on anybody. I'm just, I'm I'm acknowledging what is right. And so one of the things that Catholics believe is that poverty is like, is, is holy like poverty is piety and wealth is wickedness but jews don't believe that and the foundation of the christian faith is hebrew it's it's jewish it's not roman it's not it's not catholic right Mm -hmm. and so i i I didn't understand the history of all of that like i had not read any books on church history and on the history of of the faith before and i'm like okay but when i started to discover wait a minute the Bible clearly teaches, and I can show anybody this, the, like, like the Bible clearly teaches, and I, I'm a, this is going to be a bold statement. The Bible clearly teaches that the reason God put wealth on the earth is for his people. I can show anybody that in scripture without taking anything out of context, because if you t- a, 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 a text without a context is a pretext, and now you're making up doctrine, right? So I can show people like so many ways, from so many different directions, the purpose of wealth being on this earth is for God's people. All right, quick pause. 
I love that you're tuning into this show. Really, your shares, your subscribes and reviews, even your listens mean a ton to me personally and honestly to all of us who put these shows out weekly for your listening pleasure. But are you ready? I think it's time that I put you in the hot seat for a question. If you're resonating with all of these multi-passionate, God-loving success stories, then I bet you have one of your own. Maybe you're even in the midst of that comeback. Regardless, there is a deeper message inside of you. I am sure of it. It's your why factor for living life. So here's the question. Why not turn that mess into a message by starting a podcast of your very own? It's time for you to amplify. And since I've been podcasting for a couple years now and I've trained dozens of shows into launch, I've also hit top of the charts across the globe. Why would you want to learn from anybody else? I'm also pretty fun. And so is my team. And we've put together this e-course. And don't stop here. Don't fast forward. Hold up. I know you're thinking e-course, me course. Everybody's got a course. But this one is truly as good as it gets. I give you behind the scenes, step-by-steps. My team is screen sharing exactly what they do post-processing. There are video modules and a workbook. Plus, we offer direct group coaching with us. No videos, us live in action. Let's create that human to human connection. So really, there's nothing like it. I would encourage you to go check out tamraandress.com and check out the course tab. Once you get there, there's even a free mini course option if you want to see the behind the scenes and not really take my word for it. So you should take my word for it. You're here listening to me right now. So I appreciate you. We love you. We encourage you. But girl, boy, man, woman, father, dog, whatever, (laughs) it's time for you to amplify. All right. Now let's get back to the show. And it's, it's really interesting. So I'm studying the Bible. And I'm like, well, this doesn't match up. But what happened when the reformers came out of the Catholic Church, because they saw that salvation was by grace through faith, and it wasn't of works, and it wasn't of doing all these good deeds, it was of grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, that faith is not even of yourself, that is the gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. When they realized that, they came out of the Catholic Church, and they preached salvation, but they had a whole bunch of other catholic doctrine that they held on to and that's part of the reason why modern day churchianity still kind of holds on to this idea that there's something wrong with having wealth but then when you ask when you look at the definition of wealth from the perspective of most churches it's basically more than we have right that, that doesn't make any sense right so so it's really so. Can I show you something on my white? Can I, I would love do something to. on my white? Yeah, please, please, please. Okay. So can you turn your um your camera just a tiny bit because I only see half of the screen. I can do or better you know than what? that. You know what? I, I was going to say I can actually make you predominantly. You, now you can have my whole. Oh, uh, oh, well, fabulous. Screen. Okay, this screen, is awesome. Right. So I just do made it. so so you can hear me, and I'll I just made my whiteboard the whole screen. So what's really interesting is I was I was. I was, I was doing a study. I was, I was thinking, I was meditating on scripture one day and I thought there, if you want to understand, I'm, I'm going to go back to me for a hot second. Cause if you want to understand proper biblical interpretation, what you have to do is you have to, un, you have to apply some laws, right? Some principles that will guide you. Number one, you have to have the law of context. Um, what is, what is it saying before? What is it saying after who's talking? Who are they talking to? All of those things, right? Then, so the law of context and, and the passage that I am interpreting has to be in alignment with the verses that come before it and the verses that come after it and all the other verses in scripture. If my understanding of a passage of scripture contradicts any other passage of scripture, then I have misunderstood it. It's not that the Bible has contradicted itself. It's that my misunderstanding of the Bible has contradicted the Bible. Okay. That's number one, law of context. Number two, the law of definitions. If I'm going to understand any passage, I must understand all the definitions of all the words in the passage, or I cannot understand the passage. Right. If I don't know what the words mean, I can't know what the word means. Right. Okay. so that's the law of definitions. And then the third one is the law of first mention. And the law of first mention is um, however God mentions something first in Scripture, that's his his original design for the thing. Right. In fact, the the Hebrew rabbis and scholars will tell you that the first time like Hebrew letters have meaning. The first time we see a letter used as the root of a word in the Torah, that is the meaning of that letter. That's how we know the letter Aleph represents God, because it's the root of the word Elohim. Bereshit bara Elohim. Elohim is the word for God, and we see that the letter Aleph so, so is, the, is the main root, word, root letter in that word. So, so all of that 
So I'm going to talk about the law of first mention. That's what I'm going to cover. So I'm going to go in the back of my full screen now. Okay, so the law of first mention. So I was thinking about gold because gold is the physical substance that represents wealth and always has represented wealth since the beginning of time. And if you've ever wondered, I've wondered, I used to wonder, why is gold so, deemed so valuable? It's the same color as copper, same color as brass, but gold's more, value than, more valuable than both of them. Why? Well, because gold doesn't rust or corrupt and it doesn't corrode. Right. So so gold is a picture of eternity. OK, it's, it's and which is why the street in heaven is paved with gold. It's why uh, God told the people when they made built the, the furniture in the temple to overlay everything with gold. OK, so I was thinking, how many times is gold mentioned in the book of Genesis? I'm thinking to myself, this is a good question. And uh, I thought it's got to be in there 100 times, 500 times. Well, it's not in there 100 times or 500 times. It's in there exactly eight times. Now, this is important because every number has significance. One is the number of unity. Two is the number of separation. Three is the number of God. Four is the number of the earth. Uh, there are four directions on the earth, four seasons on the earth. Uh, they call the four winds of the earth, right? They can say the four corners of the earth. Okay, so four is the number of the earth. Five is the number of grace. We have five fingers on our hand with which we give a gift, five fingers on our hand with which we receive a gift. Five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man, but also the number of falsehood, probably because man was deceived by Satan's falsehood. Seven is the number of completion. There's seven days in a week, seven notes in a musical scale, seven colors in the rainbow. Seven is the number of completion. Eight is the number of abundance. It's the number of infinity. It's the number of eternity. It's the number of the new beginning. So seven days in a week, and then a new week begins, right? So eight is the number of the new beginning, but it's also the number of eternity, infinity, and abundance. And so if you take an eight and turn it on its side, it is the symbol for infinity. Well, what's fascinating about that is that gold, the substance that represents wealth, is mentioned in the first book in the Bible exactly eight times. That's pretty mind-blowing. But what's more mind-blowing is the fact that the eighth, the eighth time, okay, before I can get into eighth time, um, seven, seven times God used the adjective good to describe what he made in Genesis chapter one. Seven times in Genesis chapter one, God used the adjective good to describe what he had made. The eighth time, the eighth time that God used the adjective good was in Genesis chapter two, verse 11 and 12. And it said, there's gold in that land and the gold of that land is good. So one thing that I know, uh, or I'm sorry, I meant the right gold. The gold of that land is good. That's Genesis chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Now, that's what that tells me is that gold, wealth is not inherently evil, nor is it inherently neutral. It is inherently good. And the first time God ever said something about it, um, he said it was good. Now, let me ask you a question. So, so God's saying gold is good. I want to ask you a question, Tamara. How many people lived in the Garden of Eden? Two. Two. Okay, so we've got two people. What is their relationship to each other? They are one, man and woman. They're man and woman, husband and wife. They yep. are one, yeah. right? Okay. How many stores? So they're two people. They are married. Yeah. We're going to call it, all right? They are, uh, how, many, how many stores are in the Garden of Eden? Stores. Stores were to sell stuff. Zero. Zero stores, no stores. <laughs> okay. What's for sale? I don't want to get these wrong, y'all. This is like on this. What's for sale? Nothing. In the Garden of Eden. I, I mean, nothing's for sale. Zero. Nothing's for sale. Nothing's for sale. How much does food cost? Nothing. It's free. It's free. Food Minus is free. The apple, even though right? it's free. Food yeah. is free. Okay. But, okay. So they, there are two people. They're married to each other. There's nothing to buy. There's nothing for sale. But God puts gold in the Garden of Eden and then tells us it's there. Hmm. Why? Why? Why is there gold here? N another question. Why? And you did great on the test, by the way. No worries. I no. love you. <laughs> so, 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 so there's nothing for sale, nothing to buy. But yet God puts gold there, but he doesn't just put gold there. He tells us it's there. Why is he telling us there's gold in the Garden of Eden? Well, the word garden... Word garden in the the word garden means enclosure. That's what the word means. And the word Eden means pleasure. 
And we know there was food there. So we know that the Garden of Eden was God's protected place of provision and pleasure for his people. That's what the Garden of Eden was. It was God's place of protection and provision for his people. Okay, so great. So so we covered that. It's in the Garden of Eden. Here's what's amazing. I'm going to go back to my screen now. Every time, every time gold is mentioned in the Garden of Eden, every time without exception, every time, it is always mentioned in conjunction with God's people. I said in the Garden of Eden. Every time gold is mentioned in Genesis, gold is always mentioned in Genesis in conjunction with God's people. You know what that tells me? God put gold on the earth, wealth, abundance on the earth for his people. So that's why it's here, for his people. Now, the first time gold is mentioned, Genesis chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. First time it's mentioned. It's mentioned as providence for God's people. Providence means to provide in advance. So God's, God put Adam and Eve's abundance in the Garden of Eden before he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But they didn't need it. They didn't need it for anything. That's right. But God wanted us to understand, as we went back and read it later, according to, according to Romans chapter uh, 14, where it says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. So we can go back. God put it in there in Genesis chapter 2, so we go back and find it, and we discover that gold, wealth, abundance, is natural. It's a natural part of the environment for the children of the king. So providence for God's people. Number two, we see that it's the second time it's mentioned. So this is in Genesis. This is in Genesis um, two. I, I'll let you read the whole chapter. It's eleven and twelve. But I'll let you read the whole chapter. So the second time it's mentioned, it's mentioned as a possession by God's people. This is in Genesis chapter thirteen. And that's verse two. Here's what it says. Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. We're talking about the law of first mention. The first time the word rich is mentioned in the Bible is Genesis chapter 13, verse number two. This is a two. It's Genesis chapter 13, verse number two. It says, and Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. Abram was God's man. Abram was the God's chosen man to bring the, his seed, to bring the Messiah into the world. So like we could talk about Abraham for the rest of the day, don't have time, but it would be great and it would be fun. But the first person the scripture tells us was rich was Abram. And a lot of people say, yeah, that just means he had a rich and godly heritage. That sounds great, except for one thing. God didn't just tell us how rich he was. He was very rich. He also told us how he was rich. He was rich in cattle in silver and in gold. So he wasn't just rich. Right. It tells us how he's rich. I like the word rich. I like the word wealthy. I like the word prosperity. You know why I like them? Because they're God's words. I didn't make them up. I don't need to change them to make other people feel comfortable because they feel uncomfortable with the idea that I'm I'm rich. Myron, are you rich? Yeah, I'm rich. Are you wealthy? Yep, that too. Um, Am I going to apologize for it? Not in this lifetime. It is the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. So so what's that? I said, preach, brother. This is so okay. so, so the second time, so the second time, um, the second time, uh, the third time rather, God mentions um, um, gold. It's mentioned in. It's mentioned as proof of God's blessing, blessing on His people. Isn't that interesting? And that's in Genesis chapter twenty-five when um, Eleazar goes to find a wife for Isaac. And he finds this woman and he says, Lord, just bless my master. Bless me. Give me good speed. I'm going to ask somebody by this well for some water. If they offer to feed the camels, let that be the woman. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened, right? He goes back. He tells the story to Rebecca's parents. And he says, hey, um, here's some gold bracelets for you, Rebecca. Here's some gifts for your mom and, and your brothers. He said, here's the deal. He said, God has blessed my master greatly with great wealth, and my master has given all of that wealth to his son, and that son is the one I'm looking for a wife for. Rebecca's family said, Rebecca, don't you want to hang out for a little while? And Rebecca said, no, I, I, Mama, I got a rich groom waiting for me. I got to go, right? And so so, so proof of, the, of God's blessing. One of the last times, it's not the last time because it's mentioned eight times. I don't, I'm not going to go into all eight. But one of the last times it's mentioned in the book of Genesis, it's mentioned as a provision for God's, provision for God's people. Um, and that's in Genesis chapter 
41, verse 42, and it tells us um, that this is the only time, by the way, you will find in the book of Genesis, this is the only time you'll find in the book of Genesis a um, a time when somebody who's not a child of God is even possessing gold, mm. which is f- fascinating. Okay, Genesis 42, mm. 41, 42. Here's what it says. Pharaoh took the chain off his neck, put it on Joseph's neck, took the gold ring off his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. So the only time it shows a person who's not a child of God having gold, they're handing it over to somebody who is a child of God. So God put wealth on the earth for his people. Ooh, wow. Oh, it gets that that's powerful. That's powerful, but it gets more better. Because more better, anything, if, if, if we can find something one time in scripture, we know it doesn't just exist there. It existed more than just there, right? So what's interesting, interestingly enough, is um is that in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse twenty-six, here's what it says. For God give it to the man that is good in his sight, both wisdom and knowledge and joy. Right? Wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Now, if you go read Proverbs chapter 8, you will see what happens when wisdom comes. It doesn't come by itself, but it also says when you get wisdom, uh, you also get riches, durable riches and righteousness and king's reign and princes rule and decree justice. Okay, so anyway, so wisdom, knowledge, and joy. And then it says, but to the sinner. So I want you to notice this. Check this out. This is this is like this is like this is showing you like firsthand. Okay, God's people. I'm going to put God's peeps. Okay, and this is sinner. So it says to God, God give it to the man that's good in sight, wisdom, and knowledge, and joy. Okay, but to the sinner he giveth travail. <laughs> That's hard labor. Can y'all tell I have dyslexia? Travail, <laughs> right? No one said this is so good. This is so good. And to heap up. So he gives to the sinner travail, hard labor, so he can gather and heap up. Why? Here's what it says that he may give to him that is good before God. So the reason God even gives the sinner the ability to do hard labor and to gather and to heap up is to hand it over. Bible. I didn't put, I didn't put it in there. And then it says, this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. And a lot of people say, but that's vanity and vexation of spirit. It is because the whole theme of the book of Ecclesiastes, the whole theme of the book of Ecclesiastes is if you live your life for the life under heaven, you've wasted your life. It's vanity and torture. It's literally empty torture. If all you live for is this life, right? So live our lives. So, and then you get down to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, the last two verses, uh, chapter 12 verses, I think it's 13 and 14, 12 and 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man, right? So, so if you, if, if all you do is live your life for what you can gain on this earth, you have lived a life of empty, emptiness, and torture. <laughs> and I know I didn't spell that right, but you know, you, you know what I meant. Okay. Emptiness and torture. So that's mind blowing y'all. Hey, Hey, all I'm saying is God put wealth on the earth for his people. I don't have to back in the door with that. I don't have to apologize for that. Now understand this. He put the wealth on the earth for his people so that we would have the ability to finance expanding his heavenly kingdom on the earth. I want to run up and down this hallway right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding you guys. This is this is literally the unlock. This is what people are missing. Both saved people and non-saved people. Because I know when I was not saved, I felt like I was being tortured. I felt like Mm -hmm. everything was against me. I felt like Mm -hmm. I was living in empty promises because I was. Right. Exactly. And there's this this life life under the sun, it ends. Oh, my gosh. I was just talking to my dad this morning about that dash, right? Like that knowing that people, you have to live in the dash. You have to be present for that because you are born and you will be gone at some point. And yet so often. Yeah, what does that look like? And people have like three things on their tombstone and those are noble things. They can be noble things, but oftentimes people are pursuing the thing that they would never want on their grave. They would never mm. want on their tombstone. Mm. And I, I called them out to be frank. 
I was literally in tears five minutes before I got on this podcast because I, I had to be the person. I had to show up as the person, not the daughter, not the friend, but the person who was willing to help and just press into something I had already walked through. And that's our call. Our testimony mm. is not for us. I had Absolutely. to live and I had to be saved and know the joy of this lifetime so that I could deposit into somebody who is 30 plus my senior. Mm. That's good. That's good right? stuff. This is what That's we're it. here for. It flows we're, through us and it flows to yeah. us with purpose. Right. Exactly. We're here by ourselves, but we're not here for ourselves. So, I mean, this is crazy. You guys, I want to learn everything you, you are, you know. I want to get inside of your brain right now. Somebody said that they love seeing someone so about excited about biblical principles. And I don't know if they're talking about you or they're talking about me because I'm like, let's go. Let's have a party. I'm like, they're probably so talking about both of us. That's and they the real, should be. Real talk, real and talk. they should be because. This is, this is where it's at. And I love, love, love how you taught us and you taught me specifically today. I mean, so much so that I was like scrounging for a piece of paper and I just wrote <laughs> all over my planner for the day. So that's going to be fun. I was taking all the notes. I am going to rewrite them. I'm going to pass them to all of the people who are listening and you as a note option for next time. But I mean, I, I don't even know where to go with the rest of my day other than run up and down the hall. Myron, you run, are run, a hey. gift. <laughs> hey, run, sister, run. It, it, it's so it's so interesting how it, one, one of these days I'm going to write a book on success principles from Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one is my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's my favorite. Genesis is my favorite book in the Bible it's because everything is there. And God put so many like principles in Genesis chapter one. It's almost like he's like got a wry grin on his face and said, well, in case you don't get the chapter two, you're going to be okay. Right. It's, <laughs> Which is so anyway, good because people need that. They won't, they don't get past chapter one. It's so sad. So yeah. sad. I was thinking as you were talking and, and even just the example that you're living in your life with your family, with your, with your children, with their children is um, when I first started my, my membership, my community of rooted entrepreneurs, I, I opened the book of Proverbs 31 and I started reading and I wasn't at that point even sure how my faith was going to align with my my business. And you guys, mm. I need you to know your faith is your business. If you don't have that self-identity piece, if you don't have that being, that knowing who you are, you shouldn't be going out into the world. You should close yourself up with the word of God and figure this stuff out because Absolutely. you're everywhere you go, you're depositing, you're planting a seed. Is it a weed? Is it a milkweed that nobody can pull out with their bare hands? Or are you depositing fruit of the spirit that they then can harvest for themselves and replant and grow better and have more generational love and legacy, right? Absolutely. Like this is the opportunity, but it's so scary how often we're living outside of alignment in that space. And I, I know Tamara, I've already gone longer probably than you want me to. It doesn't matter. You can keep going all day. I'm here. <laughs> Actually, I'm here till 10 because I'm on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> You're hilarious. Okay. So can I share with your listeners the most amazing principle I've ever discovered in my life. I, please. Is that okay? I, I mean, yes, absolutely. There's no question. And obviously it's in Genesis chapter one, right? Of so, course. So um, if I say God is, I want everybody who's watching to type something into the chat box, right? Or comments box, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to click on the comments because I want to see God is, I want you to finish that statement, right? God is. And then, and what would you say, Tamara? If I say to you, God is, you would say, I was going to say love, and then I switched love. it to all things. All things. Very good. Things. God is all things. God is love. And then we could say God is holy, and we could say God is good, and all the time, right? And we have all these things that we say. But have you ever wondered, what is the first thing that God tells us about God? What is the first thing that God ever tells us about God? Is that a good question? It's an amazing question, and, and I'm sure he tells us in his word. He does. Are you ready? Yes. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Hmm, why would he do that? He didn't need anything. He's self-existent, self-sufficient, and self-satisfied. He doesn't need anything. So why would God create the heaven and the earth? The only answer I've been able to come up with is because he is creative, and therefore it is his nature to create. So the first thing God tells us about himself is that he is creative. But how often do we think about God is creative? Now, that's fascinating. What's the first thing that God tells us about man? And when I say man, I mean, that's the word Adam, which means man and woman. He made us in his image. 
Okay, go ahead, Tamara. What is it? it? He created us in his image. He created us in his image. That's right. Which means he created us. He created the first thing God tells about God is he created. The first thing God tells about us is he created us in his image, which means he made us to be like him, which means he created us to create and he made us to make stuff. That's why I'm here. That's why I said our purpose is to live in our creative space and make the world a better place. Your creative space is not the same as mine. Mine's not the same as yours. My son's here. His creative space is not the same as mine. My wife's is not the same, but we all have a creative space and we all have different attributes of God's creativity that complete the rest of us. Okay. Are y- y'all with me? Okay. So he created us in his image. So the first thing God ever says to a- us about himself is that he's creative. And the first thing he ever says to us about us is he created us in his image. Now, when in Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, verse one, God established the platform. the platform that governs the platform that governs our experience of life what is the platform in the beginning okay that's time god created um the heavens that's space and the earth that's matter so god set up the platform in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 the platform he literally established the laws of physics in a sentence in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Wish I had time to go into that, but I don't. So uh, maybe, yeah, I don't think I do. Round so, two. Round two, I'm in. Round two. Round two. So that's the platform. Secondly, he set, secondly, he set up the parameters. So the first thing that God ever said to man, it God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the works of my hands. So understand that... God said, the first thing God ever said to man was, first of all, he blessed us and then gave the command. So God always gives the capacity before he gives the command, always gives the ability before he gives the assignment. So if God tells me to do something, I know I can do something just because he told me to do it. Right? Okay, so watch this. So God set up the parameters. This is going, this blew my mind like, what are the parameters? Well, the parameters are, he said, be fruitful, be fruit. You can say do fruitful, right? You'd have to say be fruitful, be, be fruitful. But you couldn't say be multiply because that wouldn't make any sense. So multiply is not a be. Multiply is a do. Do multiply, do subdue. And I mean, do multiply, uh, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, do replenish, do subdue. And then see have dominion over what over everything on the earth okay so the, per, the platform is be is time space and matter the parameters are be do have be speaks to our identity and do speaks to our activity and have speaks to our property so if you, if you understand that your your being produces your doing and your doing produces your having and which be do have are the parameters for time, the platform of time space and matter and then here's what this means don't be be do have which means don't be can't do can't do can't have right so here's where it make, it starts to make you dizzy right cuz like this i mean this is okay but it's about to it's about to make your head spin if you can handle it okay here we go each one of these parameters is for a different part of the platform. The purpose of time is being. Anything I'm going to become that I'm not right now, it's going to take time. It takes time to become. So here's what I'm going to say. If you're seeking to become something, give yourself some time. Okay? Do requires space. If I was all wrapped up in cellophane and taped up with duct tape, what would I be able to do? I wouldn't be able to do anything. Why? I don't have any space around me. Space is required for doing. So the purpose of time is being, the purpose of space is doing, watch this now, the purpose of matter is having. That's why matter exists. Be, do, have. Now here's what's really interesting. God put inside of us a desire to have more because his desire for us is to be more, right? And so what happens, we attempt to have more and we bump our head on our inability and our limitations until finally we yield and we, and we try to have more 
and then we try to do more, which we can't do until we become more. And then once we become more, we can do more. And when we do more, we can have more. And then everything is complete. So God put the desire to have a nice house and a nice car and a better vacation inside of you. So you would be willing to do more and bump your head on your lack of ability to do. So you'd finally yield to becoming what? More like him. Him. More like him more creative, more like him, right? Now, here's what's interesting. The question then is, if God is most concerned with our being, how do you be? I'm going to give it to you just in a sentence. I'm not going to write it on the board because that's that's the last thing. That's the, the last part of this picture is three is the process, the process of becoming. What is the process of becoming over time? The process is one or A is imagination, how do I know that? Because God said, let us make man in our image, which means the image existed before the words came out of his mouth, right? Imagination. And then God said, communication. Let us make man in our image, not, 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 not let me make man in my image, let us make man in our image. So unification, congruency. And then the last thing that happened was the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. So the last part is implementation. So it's imagination, communication, unification, implementation. That is the process of being. And you do that over time. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. I, I literally can't even uh, I can't even explain to you. And actually, I could because I could show you my notebook. The revelations that you're sharing right now are on a much deeper level than what God has gifted me at this season in my life. However, my like token phrase is the process of becoming, always becoming. We are always becoming. There is no day that I have made it. There is no day that Myron and his family, no matter how much wealth right. he accumulates, has made it. There's no, there no made it. There is no. Our being there's, exists in him and his being is infinite. There's becoming and there's being, but there is no, there's no, I am, I've become. There's only right. one I am. Right. Come on. So I, I, I say this all the time, always becoming. And I was trying to come up with my own coach. His name is Mike Zeller. He's amazing. I don't know if you've connected with him before. Christian man of God. I love him. Um, and he was trying to help me like cultivate like Tamara, you're so good at what you do, but you don't really have a framework by which you do it. Like, what does that look like? What is it exactly? And how can you take what God has taught you and teach it very simply, bring it down to the basics, right? And so I came up with this idea of the blueprint, the thumbprint. It's called the business thumbprint, literally all uniquely made, all designed, right? Mm -hmm. Core Creatives is the name of my entrepreneurship group because we are all creators no matter what you do. And so the mm -hmm. three-step three process is being before brand, before business, and if you put them in any other format, which is exactly what you're saying, it is the be, you have to be have before to be. you can do, before you can execute any idea, any Absolutely. message, any service, right? Anything, any brand doesn't exist until you be the brand. So right. be first. And then the be last first. thing is to do, like build, exactly. build the business. So you're like, I'm sitting over here like, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this timing, for this affirmation, for this further conviction to go into the Bible, like literally to get inside Genesis and just Genesis and just eat, just eat it. Like, I am so excited about it. I am so grateful to you. My community over here is like shouting from the rooftops, mind blown. They two are running. We're gonna have to do a Myron marathon. That should be a thing. And I can um, send you if you'd like me, if you'll. If you'll send me your email, I can send you all the notes that I did on this board. I can send Amazing. it to you. Amazing. Yeah. Please do. Please do. You are a treasure, a gift. You are an unlock to the life and the legacy of so many people around you. And I'm just honored to have this time with you this morning. Um, it was, it was truly, my pleasure. truly my pleasure. Truly my pleasure. So, so good. Can we and, uh, close out in prayer? Absolutely. Maybe. Let's, absolutely. let's say that. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm going to let you take the lead on that. Brother, All right. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is truth and that it is the key that unlocks all of the doors to kingdom building for your people. May we walk as the kings and queens on the earth that you created us to be, reflecting your light to the world. In the name of Yeshua, HaMashiach. Amen. 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 Such a yeah. gift. Are there any last things that you want to share with the audience? Places you said that you're in your DMs, Myron Golden. You've got to check them out. At, yeah, I'm at Myron Golden on Instagram. And anything like I've got a Bible study like we just yesterday. Yes, yes. So I, I've been doing a Bible study since 2013. It's a Facebook group. It's free. Um, and you can find a link to it in my link tree on Instagram. Um, and yesterday, just yesterday, I taught on I've been teaching a series on 
who do you believe because who you believe what you believe is based on who you believe right so yesterday i taught who do you believe about abundance and lack that was just yesterday and it was absolute wow yeah so anyway so yeah follow me on instagram and you can follow me on Facebook or you can not follow me. Follow, most of all, follow Christ, right? Yes, that's, that's the most always, important thing. always, always. Right. But if you are so. seeking and we seek, right? We're, we're called to seek. If you are seeking and you don't know where to turn, turn to Myron. Because mm-hmm. denominations, like he talked about before, denominations can be a church hurt. I love churchianity. I'm totally going to steal that. I always talk about the little C versus the big C, which is like the church, right? That God mm-hmm. wants you. He just wants you. He wants your heart, he wants your you. being. He wants that intimacy. He Absolutely. already knows you, but get to know him. Absolutely. What a gift. Absolutely. Thank you again, Myron. Thank Such, you. So Thank you for the opportunity to share. It was a gift. All right. Love All right. you, brother. Have a great right. day. Bless Bye. Hey, y'all. It's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamra.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.